everybody, it's the nightcap edition of Nobody Likes Casey McLean. Soon to be available exclusively on Substack. I guess at some point I gotta stop making these episodes available for free to make the uh, the paying to make it worthwhile for the the paying folks who uh, who pay money for this. You can pay a little bit of money on Substack. Also, I joined the Substack because I was like, I'm gonna blog a lot. I miss blogging. God, do I miss blogging? And I might just have to move it back over to Patreon because. The tiers are a little bit better over there, and I. But the problem is, I got to figure out how I would possibly transfer people over to uh, to Patreon. Another thing that I like about Substack is that you can gift a membership. So, like, my pal Gabriel Rutledge is a longtime listener to podcasts of mine. I would never ask another comedian to pay for. The, my podcast, but he subscribes and he'll listen to the to the nightcap edition, and I do very much appreciate that. Occasionally, we will we will give each other feedback on our podcasts, and every time he does, it's like a nice little like, oh, he does still listen. That's nice. Um, I guess somewhat of an action packed week in uh in sports. NFL preseason started. I talked to Josh Firestein about the Major League Baseball trade deadline. He's a San Diego Padres fan. And after we talked, uh, just like, I mean, maybe hours after we talked, uh, no, I guess it was days after we talked, but uh, Fernando Tatis, the San Diego Padres star shortstop, arguably the best player in baseball right now, got suspended for 80 games for performance-enhancing drug use. And it's been a while. Does it feel like it's been a while since we've had like a big high profile? I, it's probably not this, but like Robinson Cano feels like the last big high profile one. And then you see Robinson Cano going through these. Um, he just like, you know, fell off a cliff. His career ended quickly and unceremoniously. And that's kind of you get into that like, well, this is this is why dudes take steroids. Is because or why they take performance enhancing drugs and why they uh, push the legality is to keep their career moving. Cano is Cano is interesting because I think Robinson Cano represents like if you could if this is possible and I've said this on other things before, but it's almost like the most morally pure reason to take performance enhancing drugs is because this guy wants to still be good at baseball. He's not going to make any more money in his career because he has good performance. Now, he's not getting another contract. I think his contract was going to end at, like, 42. At best, he's getting, like, a, a, a low-salary one-year deal at that point in his in his career. But he still was committed enough to being a good, productive baseball player that he was taking performance-enhancing drugs. And I said this back when he was playing for the Mariners and he tested positive. But it was almost flattering to find out that he was still that interested in in being good. By the way, it's the nightcap edition. I'm recording this at noon, drinking a cold brew. Uh yeah, I've I've certainly I've twisted the definition of nightcap to mean anything I want it to mean. But okay, the other the other thing uh other big sports news, Akib Talib um his brother, with maybe him in attendance, but Akib Talib's brother, 
there was a, uh, and I, I don't know the exact details, so I'm not going to speak in like crazy specifics, but Aqib Talib was in attendance at a youth football game. I think he might have been one of the coaches on the opposing team, but a big fight breaks out, and Aqib Talib's brother is now wanted for shooting and killing the opposing team's head coach on the field in front of everybody. The way that it, the way that it originally, like the way I originally saw it, and then I did watch the video, which is, I mean, my initial thing when I saw that there was video is like, I don't want to, you know, it's, it's, uh, seeing videos where people actually die is like very jarring to me. Even like if you watch, I, I, I've only in my life ever spent significant time watching NASCAR for one race. And it was the Daytona 500 where Dale Earnhardt died. And I remember when he died, the crash looked pretty simple. It didn't look like it was going to be, I mean, it didn't, it didn't look like it was even going to result in major injury based on some of the crashes I've seen in highlights and stuff like that, that resulted in minor or no injury. And, but, but even that, like, even this, like, not really gruesome crash, just knowing that a person died from it, it's like, I don't want to see this crash ever again. And I certainly, I don't think they show it very often. And great, thankfully, because it, it would suck. I mean, if you're Dale Earnhardt Jr. or your other members of that family to have to constantly see the moment where your grandpa or your dad or your, your brother died is, is, uh, upsetting. But so I wasn't going to watch the video. And then the video is not really like, you hear gunshots, but you don't see a man get shot from what I could tell. And, um, but I guess it's like, you know, we're getting slowly desensitized to this shit where, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we saw like, I, I guess like, you know, there's all these stories about like ISIS beheading videos or, uh, Al Qaeda beheading videos that used to be around all the time. in in like the early two thousands when journalists would be in, Afghanistan and get captured and then I never watched one and I watched like some pretty dark corners of the internet and I never watched one and I guess I'm still like I haven't been completely desensitized because I don't I mean I can't handle broken bones and stuff by the way you hear a you hear a plane going overhead can't handle broken bones and stuff but the the death stuff even though a lot of times like the things that they show are not really that gruesome just knowing somebody that died or sorry, knowing somebody died in the video makes it, uh, I'm not like, it sounds like I'm like apologizing for not being able to watch. I think it's a pretty normal phenomenon that people don't love seeing shit where people died. So, um, yeah, it was like pretty crazy though. And then like the story, the like, I think I keep to had a little bit of, uh, had a little bit of like struggle in his career with off field stuff. If I remember right. And, immediately people are like there's like literally like internet reporting like fucking rumor mongering on twitter that Aqib Talib was actually the one that pulled the trigger like him and his brother uh orchestrated a hit against this football coach and that does not seem to be the case what else there's another oh man there's another sports story oh there's another uh, one of these live golf controversies because Cameron Smith who what did he win like the open a couple weeks ago I think he won something a couple weeks ago 
he's leaving the PGA Tour for Live Golf, supposedly a $100 million signing bonus. And the PGA, hours after that, got um, got leaked or got the rumor started to circulate. They retroactively penalized Cameron Smith two strokes for a a silly like, and I you know whatever. This is what I hate about golf, by the way, is like there's all these like little small rules and etiquette things, and people will pretend like they are the most. It's like unwritten rules in baseball where people will pretend like they're the most important thing in the fucking world. And then, like, I saw an article. So, like, the internet didn't like this. They thought it was pretty transparent what the PGA was doing. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know the history of these kinds of penalties. But then uh, somebody on, like, a blog, first thing that pops up, a blog. You know, a place where someone actually writes the blog that they promise. Uh they posted like social media is wrong on Cameron Smith as they always are. Something like that. It's this fucking not in my backyard exclusion, exclusionary exclusive attitude around football that I find very around football. Did I say around football that I find very annoying? And so this is the thing that turns me off from golf. It's, uh, I have this channel, by the way, Road Hacks, on uh, YouTube that's been very unsuccessful so far. I'd love it if you go check it out. It's just me wa- me playing golf, and it'll keep getting funnier. Please give me a chance. The The first episode with Jess Everett was, I thought, pretty funny. And then the second episode was like, I'm trying to gain my footing. The third episode that, uh, that came out is a little bit funnier, I think. I had a couple good jokes in it. And then I think what I realized is that I'm holding back on... The way that I would talk about, like if I was there with Jess Everett, my friend Jess Everett, who I've played a lot of golf with recently, if I was there with him, I would say things one way, and if there's a camera there, I'm censoring it quite a bit, but there's no reason to censor. I had, I did, uh, I played the last like four holes of the nine holes on the most recent one, like on the verge of shitting my pants, just violent diarrhea ready to come out of my body, could barely bend over to put a tee in the ground. It was fucking horrible. I talked about it, but I talked about it in, in nice terms. And I should have just told you guys the truth. Okay. That I was on the verge of shitting my pants. You deserve my honesty. Uh, I went to Port Townsend this week with my wife this weekend. Port Townsend's a city in, um, Western Washington. That's like basically across the Puget Sound from Seattle. And north a little ways. We ended up taking the uh, the the ferry that goes from uh, Seattle to Bainbridge Island. And I haven't taken a ferry since. I was talking to my wife about it because I grew up taking ferry. My uh, my grandparents lived on Orcas Island in uh, like when I was growing up, and so I would go on the ferry a couple times a year. And then I haven't been on a ferry. And it had been years. And my wife and I went and camped on Orcas Island uh, several years back. And then we did it again the next year. And then we visited my grandma, I think, one other time. And then we uh, had not, I had not been on a ferry since. I went, the last time I was on a ferry was in 2019. 
I was in the Seattle International Comedy Competition, and there's a one of the shows of the week. The most efficient way to get to the show is to take the ferry from like Muckleteo to Clinton, which is on another island called Whidbey Island that you can technically drive to, but it whatever nobody gives a shit about this. But the point is. I got on this, we tried to get on this ferry and it's like a fucking two, we tried to get on it because my wife was doing something for work in Seattle. And so I uh, drove to Seattle, picked her up and I was like, it would be beautiful and way faster if we just took the ferry. Sure, it'll cost more money, but it'll be way faster. And then it ended up being like a two and a half hour wait to get on the ferry. I just underestimated how many people are taking the ferry. We were driving, which means that we're, we're constrained by how many cars they can fit on. And we ended up, uh, I think, man, maybe it was, no, I think we ended up getting on, it was like the 630 ferry. We get to Port Townsend. I'll shout out this about Port Townsend, which is a cool, it is a cool and like beautiful city right on the Puget Sound. Uh, for a small town, they have a couple places that are open very late. And I like that because... The aforementioned Orcas Island. When you go there, there's like one bar in town that's open after 9 p.m. or something like that. Uh, ocean Shores in on the ocean in Washington. There's like one bar in town, and it's the diviest, shittiest bar in town that's open late. And in, uh, in uh, Port Townsend, they had like a couple, you had a couple options that still had for serving food, which was nice because we didn't get there till like eight thirty after all the the um, the ferry ride and the and the drive. But so Port Townsend is, uh, it's one of these towns. Like I would call it, it's like somewhere. It's a small town, absolutely a small town, but a place that has kind of like everything. They have a Chinese restaurant. They have a, a pizza a pizza place. They have they have one of everything. They have one. Of everything. One. Which means that there's no competition. So I had we had a good time. And I would love to like own a place in Port Townsend. Because it's like a very quiet, peaceful, nice city to be in. But there was like... Like they have a flagship brewery that's been there since the nineties and it's like, fine. It's like all the breweries, all the craft breweries from the nineties where it's like a bunch of boring ass craft beer. That's like under fermented and meant for your dad. Uh, and then they have one of these places that's like, I'm a craft beer snob and I'm a fucking, an, uh, an annoying like nerd about beer. And I walk in and I get treated like, I don't know shit. That's how, that's how like, uh, pretentious, the other brewery in town is. There might be more than two breweries, but like the two, I think, most famous breweries in Port Townsend. And then we went to, um, yeah, we went to like a, a wine bar that was awesome. But yeah, I, Port Townsend is, they're like, they, they would be very fun to live in. There's places that I think are like fun to visit and I wouldn't want to live there. And then there's places that are fun that I think would be great to live in, but they're like not that fun to visit. So like Port Townsend would be cool if, uh, Port Townsend would be cool if you like were a regular at one of the bars and you knew, you know, like you got like the special treatment, but we'd go to places and it's like, yeah, it's a small town bar and it's taken fucking 18 minutes to get a 
uh, cocktail made. Like, give me, give me a break. Probably a good place to raise a kid, which feels like it might be, uh, might be code for it's very white, <laughs> which I'm a little bit self-conscious of. We do love, I mean, my wife and I live in Tacoma and we love Tacoma and, I, and plan on putting our daughter through Tacoma public schools. So don't, uh, don't take me for one of these bigots. All right. Uh, but I certainly can understand the like value in these like quiet small towns. I'd love to be able to spend more time there and just fucking sleep. And, you know, like my wife and I walked a mile and a half from downtown to our hotel at the uh, Manresa Castle, by the way, where there's, they do comedy once a month, but that's not why we were there. The comedy is actually, the next show is, I believe, as this podcast comes out, it's next Saturday. And uh, I'm, yeah, I'm like, go check it out. And I'll be on it at some point again. I've, I've, I did it, I think either like right after, like one of the first shows back from the pandemic, or right before the pandemic. I can't remember, but uh, I guess I think it was probably uh, post, post like beginning of the pandemic. But okay, the big news, the prevailing news in the country, the thing that we're going to be hearing about for a long time, especially as these midterm elections approach, is. Uh, Anne Heche did die. <laughs> Anne Heche did die, and she was drunk. It's it sounds like don't drink and drive. Uh, I was I don't want to make too much light of it because it is very sad. But also, um, we've like uh, we take for granted how dangerous it is dangerous it is to to drive drunk. By the way, safe to walk home. My, that was the point I was getting at. Safe to walk home in Port Townsend. Uh, a mile and a half from downtown. So even if you don't live in Port Townsend, Manresa Castle is a pretty reasonable place to stay. The comedy shows are very good. Uh, I was featuring on the show Harry Riley, a friend of mine, probably past guest of this podcast, uh, was headlining, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good show. They do have my one complaint. If I was gonna if I was gonna lodge a complaint, is that they have one of those like old crooner microphones the like uh they're it's a sure like mv88 maybe something like it's not mv but it's um it's like a like a silver casing like the, like anytime you see a poster for a comedy open mic they show this microphone and you see that microphone and you're like nobody uses that microphone in comedy and it's not true there's one place in port towns in washington that uses this fucking microphone and i that's a bad microphone for comedy it's a bad microphone for spoken word it's probably a bad microphone for singing also, but um, I don't care about singers. We did, Port Townsend, oddly though, we did accidentally run into live music three times in two nights. So, yeah, good place to go if you're into that kind of shit. Uh, bad place to go if you're a big fucking food snob. The pizza place was good. Waterfront, uh, waterfront pizza? Something like that. And, um, yeah, vintage by Port Townsend Vineyards, something like that was the, this wine bar that we went to. There's a picture on my Instagram where I was, I had quite a buzz going on our second round of the day, our second, uh, trip of the day to this, to this, uh, wine bar that's uh, attached to some winery or vineyard or whatever. But anyways, the big news, the big news, the big, the country's big news. It is uh, Donald Trump got 
his Florida home raided by the FBI for apparently he's got uh, classified documents of pretty serious secrecy, pretty serious importance. And you just, there's a couple things you, you can allow your mind to go down many, many paths of why he has these, um, if he had intentions for them, what they were, uh, I'm a, I'm a proponent of, and I think we should all be, but I'm a proponent of Occam's razor, which is, um, if you want it described to you by a dumb guy, it's like the most likely explanation or like the simplest explanation is also the most likely. So do I think that like, uh, you know, if I was going to allow my mind to wander down the most conspiratorial paths of why Donald Trump would have this like sensitive classified information, it would be that if he was facing indictment, like he might be, he would have some leverage over the U.S. government, right? Or the other thing that people have suggested, and I guess kind of falls into the same category for me of like pretty unlikely diabolical plots by Donald Trump, is that he planned on selling U.S. secrets to a foreign entity. Um, to me, the Occam's razor most likely explanation based on everything that I've heard also is that this is a fuck up an oversight or he didn't, it's like, uh, he didn't understand the, and I'm dumb by the way, don't get mad. Don't get mad yet. Don't get mad yet. Uh, that he didn't understand the severity of what he was doing or he understood it, but didn't understand the consequence. Meaning he didn't know that he would face indictment or whatever potentially. Uh, this still, in my opinion, in like a different legal context would basically constitute like criminal neglect because if anybody should know the ramifications and the seriousness and the importance of these documents, like you can't expect anybody to know better than the president. That is somebody who you would consider a subject matter expert, someone who's done this professionally. Right. And so deliberate or not, it's careless and it's reckless. Right. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily like the search warrant is seems pretty fucking justified. I, I'm not, I don't feel less safe knowing that these documents are now back in the hands of the government. Um, it has, as you would expect, kind of brought the worst actors out of the woodwork to interpret this so like i saw a dude i think his name is like tim oh maybe tim smith or something like that not tim pool i know who that is i've never actually watched whatever he's got like a podcast or a youtube series or something like that i've never watched that but who's the other tim young tim young i think it's tim young uh tim young said like suddenly liberals love and uh love and trust the fbi and Listen, there's absolutely like opportunism that people have where they selectively love and hate different government organ. I mean, I love, but it's love. It's not, nobody loves the FBI. 
I'm not, I don't know, I know the most annoying liberals in the fucking world, okay? I know Seattle liberals who are fucking insane, who I find annoying as a left-leaning person. I find fucking insufferable. I've never heard a single fucking left-leaning person say they love the FBI. I don't know of any right-wing people in my life that quote-unquote love the FBI. I think most of us should be pretty fucking skeptical of the FBI. Uh, yeah. And then of course it's like also people who are like, why isn't he arrested? And it's like, well, I don't think that we all are willing to like, this is very fucking scary because arresting the former president is, it's a, it's not a decision to be made, to be taken lightly. It's, and to do it cavalierly would be a mistake because there will be a fucking uprising is my suspicion. <laughs> it's if Donald Trump gets arrested, we're get, like, you think, I mean, it's going to be January 6th. It's going to be another January 6th. There's going to be so much anger. And I'm not saying like, like the, the, the thing that bugs me is people will be like, but her emails, like there's a joke, like, why can't we all, why can't there be like a, a reasonable, public position from like a pundit that's like the emails Hillary Clinton's emails bad uh Jared Kushner's dealings in the Middle East that seem to be taking advantage of his father-in-law's position bad Hunter Biden's shit in Ukraine bad uh Joe Biden's fucking involvement in it and also his like you know some of the allegations against Joe Biden bad Donald Trump handling these classified documents inappropriately potentially you know putting our uh this whole like putting our democracy in danger thing is a little bit I, I feel like is a little bit uh uh, <laughs> uh unevenly applied but this like, um, you know, risking our national security is probably the more, the more accurate thing, potentially exposing sensitive information to our, our enemies or, um, people who, you know, countries that should not see them, people who are, it would be dangerous for them to see them. Uh, it's bad. Like we, it's bad. And I, and I, but I like this, there's like bloodlust. People don't, anymore want what's best for the country that's they're they're uh deluding themselves to believe that this bloodlust that they have to see donald trump in prison is what's best for the country without thinking about it and now i'm not going to tell you that i th like i mean this dude if he was not the president not the former president i've heard a lot of people say this it's probably true he probably would be in a in a jail cell right now he might be if you know if if casey mcclain has national secrets that he's obtained and is storing illegally, uh, probably getting a, getting a, I'm sitting in a fucking jail cell because the department of Homeland security took me there. Um, but the implications of arresting me on this country's future are significantly different than the implications of, arresting, prosecuting, convicting, sentencing the former president of the country. 
and this would have been, by the way, I, I think this is like, there's a pretty good argument for this to be made about not putting Hillary in jail and not putting Obama in prison for war crimes if you're the U.S. or George W. Bush in prison for war crimes if you're the U.S. The point is, and I've said this many times, none of these people are good. None of these people have our best interests at heart. I don't think Trump is uh, good, but I don't think he's like that uniquely bad. I do think he's uniquely bad, but I don't think he's so uniquely bad that this like, like putting him in prison is not going to create just an absolute fucking riot in this country. It's going to be fucking terrifying if Donald Trump gets convicted and put in prison. That's going to be fucking terrifying for this country. And so I don't think it's like a, a decision that needs to be made lightly. And I get just annoyed. I get annoyed with the internet. I got to be less, uh, less, what, less online. I got to be less online because there's just so, uh, so much like, like the one thing that old, uh, Tim Young, whoever this guy is, by the way, I don't know how he ended up in my timeline, but I know he's, he's verified whoever this guy was. So, but, um, his point that people are hypocritical and self opportunistic or is correct. Like I agree. Uh, that's why I try to be principled and go like, yeah, I mean, actually, to be honest with you, the shit that Biden's doing right now that the Democrats have been doing recently where they're forcing Republicans to put their opinions out in public, like this attempt to codify uh, marriage equality, for example, make these, these are like incredibly popular policy positions. This is the shit that, that Democrats have, have become very popular running on. These are like, I mean, take up fucking marijuana legalization next. These are tremendously popular things. And I think, and also by the way, very popular among conservatives. And I think force your local politicians, force these Republican politicians. If you want to like, stop trying to beat them through this fucking internet cancel culture bullshit and make them actually make their, these Politicians on both sides are have been allowed to fucking be wishy-washy on their actual policy positions for a long time. Make these motherfuckers come out and say exactly how they feel about something. Be it gay marriage, be it marijuana legalization, be it Roe versus Wade, whatever. No matter how you feel about Roe versus Wade, I'd like an honest appraisal of how my politicians plan on voting, right? Even if you are pro-life. Don't you want to know that the people who you're voting for actually share your values? And if they don't, don't you want the opportunity to fucking find a politician that does share your values instead of being lied to that these politicians share your values? By the way, you might also end up deciding that it's worth voting for someone who doesn't completely share your values, which I think is what a lot of us have to do. People who have actual values, who have actual principles, constantly have to sacrifice some portion of those for the fucking lesser of two evils, right? So that's very common. But don't you want to at least know? That's the thing that bugs me. Like, I, like my favorite politician ever is uh, Bernie Sanders. And it's not because I really agree with him on a lot of stuff. I like Andrew Yang too. But the, because every time I see a criticism of these guys, uh, it's also 
it's always like, oh, this person's an opportunist. They're not a real Democrat. And I'm like, yeah, well, neither am I. You know what I mean? I'm a fucking complex person who has who, this this idea that, that fucking we're going to hire 87,000 IRS agents to enforce the tax code and that it's not going to disproportionately affect the poor working class. That's apparently a conservative point of view, but to me it's fucking elementary. Like we've seen this. This isn't the first time we've seen this. The IRS is not an agent for the people against billionaires. It's an agent for fucking government fund collecting. And I'm, by the way, not a, I'm not at all a, like, taxation is theft. We shouldn't be taxed. I mean, there's I, what I would like to see, like many people, but this is, I feel like, should be bipartisan, is I'd like to see more efficient spending. I'd like to see uh, us us reduce the cost of things like, I mean, the, one of the reasons, one of the things that stops healthcare from being allowed to be universal is because we've allowed through this fucking government corruption, allowed healthcare to become so fucking expensive that it would be impossible to, to pay for it as a country. And that's, yeah, that's like, that's bad, but I'm not a person that think like, I want universal healthcare. I want quality universal healthcare. I'd like, I'd like healthcare to be within the fucking government's budget, like for it to be realistic. Um, as far as like the details of the, the, the raid on Trump's home, I don't really know. There's like a lot of legal experts out there. Go listen to those people. Why would you listen to me? But it seems like there's, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any like foul play or anything like that. And it does seem like Trump's spinning his wheels. If he did something horrible, I, I, I mean, I, again, it's like, if I'm just a utilitarian and not some law enforcement absolutist, but if I'm just a utilitarian going like, what is the best thing for this country? If I had to, if I had to pick between two, would it be better for this country for Donald Trump to be in prison or would it be better for this country for Donald Trump to be slapped on the wrist, fined, made an example of, remain a free man and a fucking joke. Because my tendency is that when you when you start to take legal action like this, when you start to imprison your former president. It's a slippery slope where, and even if this is not political, even if this, it's, it's the same thing with, I've talked about a bunch. You can do this thing, but it sets a precedent so that people you don't trust could do the same thing, right? If um, Beto O'Rourke, is our next president to pick the least likely person in the fucking world. But if Beto O'Rourke is our next president and the Republicans don't like him, they could find, I'm not saying this is even what this is, but they could find some fringe law and lock him up or lock him up maybe during the election. Like this stuff escalates. It doesn't just remain exactly the same. It's so, yeah, it's fucking, uh, I don't know. It's, this this is like a I think a truly pivotal moment in the country and I think those are happening you know too often in the last I'd like some less pivotal moments 
I am lucky. I do feel somewhat lucky. I've recently, I've heard the story about when Chris Rock became a prominent comedian, he started to get connected with like black thought leaders. So he would have love him or hate him, but he would have, and I, and I could be quoting this wrong also, by the way, but he would have like dinner with fucking Farrakhan. And what I have as a much less prominent comedian is I'm in group chats with a bunch of white dudes who like data. And I like talking about, I love white dudes who like data because they have emotionless, by the way, people of any race that like data. I like to talk about data, but data removes the emotion from stuff like this. And it's very cool to be able to like calibrate your opinion on, to like be able to say something. I, th- I did have a guy say to me, isn't that what aboutism? as a response to something that I said. And I genuinely, on this podcast, in conversation, and pretty much in life, outside of like legislation and litigation, don't give a fuck if something is or is not whataboutism. Because it's worth the fucking intellectual exercise to go through the thought experiment. And so... um yeah. Dudes that like data. People of all genders who like data. Or data. Or data. I'm actually, I'm going to have to talk to him about this, this whole uh, Trump thing. I've had good conversations. I, I, I feel, I actually do feel like what's happening, what the Democrats are doing right now is good. I've never been, uh, I, I'm a, I was a reluctant Biden voter and I'm, I'm now like actually liking the stuff that he's doing, especially the stuff. I do like how many things he does that just disappoint everyone that make uh, our far left think that he's a Republican and our far right think that he's a communist. That's the shit. That's the place I want to be with my comedy is that close to the middle where everyone hates you a little bit. (laughs) That's how you build a successful comedy career, right? Okay, uh, my sister's getting married this weekend. I was going to talk about that a little bit, but I guess I'm not going to. Um, I'm going to try to get a guest for the podcast, but it's possible that there's going to be no podcast this week because I will be in Portland, Oregon or in the rough area. I am doing a show on Thursday, uh, August 18th at Kelly's Olympian in Portland. I suppose it's Monday. So buy your tickets. They're not moving quickly. So, uh, there's plenty of room. Go buy your tickets. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Subscribe on Substack. uh, you know, rate review, all that shit on the other one on the nobody likes Casey McLean one. Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you later.